Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Uh, this is going to be a pretty, it might be a long show today, so let's just... Get right to it. Get right to it and thank our Patreon contributors for the week. Sure. Okay, so this week, uh, first off, we had my friend Ben who became a patron. Thank you very much. Oh, cool. Hey, what's up? Talk to you soon. Uh, We also had Justine, Eric, John, Elizabeth, Jessica, Mary Beth, Sean, Shana, Desiree, Laura, Stacy, Michelle, Megan, Joy, Bill, Grace, Jessica, and Vilma. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. So, Rachel, okay. we're all dying to hear <laughs> part two. <laughs> part two. This is part two of Larry Flint. So, if you obviously, if you haven't listened to part one, you need to go back. Get the backstory. Get the backstory of Larry Flint's rise to fame. Uh, Go listen to part one right now. We did that one last week. Okay. So for those of you who did uh, listen to last week's show, you probably already know that we are in 1976 now, and Hustler Magazine is huge. Larry Flint's a millionaire. He's living in a gigantic house now in uh, a very... Uh, exclusive community in Ohio. His neighbors hate him. And uh, I think the last thing I, I said in the last episode was that, you know, his his bar brawling days were over at the hustler clubs that he had around Ohio. But this is when the the big stuff was going to start happening with all of his legal battles. Okay, so cool. we're going to be talking about uh, some of his biggest legal battles, his most famous in this episode. In the summer of 1976, Larry was charged in Cincinnati with pandering obscenity and of organized crime. Now, the reason he was charged with organized crime is because his brother Jimmy, Althea, and Hustler's co-VP, Al Van Shake, were all arrested and charged with the same pandering obscenity uh, charge that Larry, Larry was charged with. Now... In Ohio at this time, corporations were considered people, so Hustler was the fifth person that was in trouble. That was oh. so and and according to the law, organized crime was defined as five or more people committing a crime together for profit. So that seems like they're stretching the meaning of that law a bit. Yeah. I mean, this is a very conservative area. Uh Larry is already not very well liked, and Larry felt like Hustler was being unfairly targeted because there were plenty of other nudie magazines right. like Penthouse and Playboy and We, but Hustler was very political and very yeah. left-leaning politically. Uh-huh. So it definitely pushed some boundaries of what certain lawmakers were comfortable with. Now, the thing about being charged with organized crime is that's a felony. Yeah. The pandering obscenity was only misdemeanors. So they really were like, we want to get this guy in prison. 
It's so irritating. Yeah, it's pretty irritating. So at the time, Cincinnati was home to an anti-pornography group called Citizens for Decency Through Law, or CDL. The head of this group was a man named Charles H. Keating. He hated Larry and everything that Hustler stood for. (laughs) During the meetings at the CDL, members would look at porn, but only to condemn it, of Of course. course. (laughs) Ew. Show me that one where her lips are spread again. Her pussy lips. I mean, her vagina. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, Larry loves exposing hypocrites, and he found this very hypocritical, that these people are all, like, hanging out together looking at porn. Yeah. But they're like, this is very, very bad. Very bad. (laughs) The chief prosecutor was also very conservative, and he was also an anti-porn guy. His name is Simon Lace Jr., and Larry had already had a run-in with this prosecutor before when he was caught in the middle of a fight at a bar in 1972. During this fight, a gun went off, and after the gun went off, Larry consoled a woman that he was there with. She put her head in his lap. And he was charged with firing the gun, even though he didn't fire it. And later, Simon Lice tried to charge him with sodomy, alleging that the woman he was with wasn't crying in his lap. She was just giving him a blowjob. Was she? No. <laughs> she was not. But he was like, that. I, I've seen that in your magazines, the <laughs> filthy magazines. Women put their... They put their mouths on your penis. (laughs) How do you get them to do that? (laughs) This is a quote from Larry's book. Charles Keating was involved in nearly every fascist cause in the city and had worked with Simon Lace since the prosecutor's first election in 1971 to root out all sorts of, quote, evil. If there was an attempt to censor, control, or ban books, magazines, movies, or art exhibits, Keating could usually be found playing a role. Lice admitted that his relationship with Keating had been crucial to most of his obscenity prosecutions. So these guys... What a bunch of fucking narcs. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, can you even imagine that being your passion? Anti being anti-porn? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? It's so it's fucking, it's crazy that there's still people like this in the world. It's unbelievable. Like, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Yeah. Unreal. So meanwhile, the Cincinnati Inquirer was run by Charles H. Keating's brother. So Needless to say, the press for Larry was less than flattering. Right. And they were having a field day with all of this. They just wanted to paint him as, like, the worst man on the face of the planet, basically. Because of 1973's landmark Supreme Court ruling of Miller versus California, local communities were now able to apply their own laws in regards to obscenity, which Mm. is a big problem. Because if you live in a really conservative county... They can be like, yeah, that's obscene. Yeah. Two people fucking, that's obscene. In November 1976, Larry mailed out 400,000 12-page color pamphlets to Cincinnati residents with graphic images from the Vietnam War. And this question was printed on each pamphlet. What is obscene? Al Goldstein, the publisher of Screw Magazine... <laughs> Do you know Screw Magazine? Um, yes, I do. Okay. I know Al Goldstein very well because I'm from New York, and he was a major figure there. Yes. Well, Al Goldstein was charged with obscenity by the prosecutor in Wichita, Kansas, even though Al lived and published his magazine out of New York City. 
So they're coming up with all sorts of... They're probably doing like crossing straight state line type things, right? They're coming up with all sorts of loopholes to get pornographers, especially pornographers that probably have more radically political ideas. Right. Obviously, you know, when Larry mailed out those pamphlets of pictures from the Vietnam War, people were like, this is... This is awful. How how dare? And he's like, well, this is what we see on the news. Like, th- this is... Right. Like, you want to say what I'm peddling is obscene? Like, no, this is obscene. Yeah. And, I mean, look, he's got a point. Absolutely. <laughs> he's He's got a really good point there. So Larry's attorney for the trial was Harold Farringer, a lawyer from Buffalo, New York, who rose to prominence in the early 60s defending a man who had been arrested for selling porn magazines. Farringer wanted to enter the several other men's magazines like Playboy, Penthouse, and Wee into evidence to show that they were unfairly singling Larry out. Larry's lawyer gave the judge a large box of these magazines to review, but the next day in court, the judge ordered it inadmissible. After he jerked off to them all. Well, that's why I've decided to include a quote from the book next, because I found this little tidbit hilarious. This is a quote from the book. After rendering his decision, he made an... This is... He's talking about the judge. After rendering his decision, he made an amazing admission in a sidebar conference. In his uniquely strong Ohio accent, he said, uh, had a wet dream last night. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he overheard the judge saying. The judge says? It's like not his fault. (laughs) It happened when he was sleeping. Right. He wasn't masturbating. He came all over his robes. During opening statements, Prosecutor Simon Lice said, quote, Hustler uses lustful, dirty talk to arouse one's sexual desires. Ugh. I mean, what else is a porn magazine for? It's so stupid. I, it's like I just can't even grasp how these people exist, like these type of men. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, what do, what do you care? Yeah. You're getting hard. Now you know why people do it. <laughs> Case <Right>. closed. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that's what it's for. Right. And it seems very effective because it works on people who don't even want to get hard from it. Right. Like they can't help it. Right. It's hot. Yeah. Uh, Simon, the prosecutor, also went on to say to the court, Santa Claus was depicted as a sex object. Oh, my God. Because there was a cartoon in one of the holiday issues that depicted Santa Claus with a boner. And he was very offended by that. How dare you? Was it in a box? Like like the sorry. original dick in a box? <laughs> the original dick in the box? No, but he was holding his... It was like Santa Claus holding his hard cartoon dick. And it said, like, now here's something to ho-ho-ho about. <laughs> I like how tame they are, even. Like- They're so tame. It's like... Oh, God forbid you disrespect Santa Claus, right. a very real person. That's like a fourth-rate tweet nowadays. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, like, people are much filthier. My God. It's pathetic. A gigantic blow-up centerfold of Althea was entered into evidence by the prosecution. Love it. I mean, he's probably like, oh, you're going to try to own me by my hot wife? By yeah. showing everyone my hot, amazing wife who also is really smart and helps me run this company? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I love that they even have to admit this stuff into evidence. It's like, hilarious. Everything they were doing, they just wanted to slander his character and embarrass him. But he's like, he can't be embarrassed. That's what I was thinking. Like, this is probably why I relate to him. Because I also cannot be owned. <laughs> 
like I'm not even saying that in an internet way. Like I just genuinely don't care. It's like when guys try to call you a whore or something. Right. You're like, I don't fucking care. Right. Like Gary, like go away. Like <laughs> I don't have any shame. It was beat out of me by the age of four. <laughs> I agree. Like it's it's like it is such a satisfying feeling though. I can imagine how he feels when these people are trying to go, aha, and you're like, go ahead, that's my wife's pussy in a centerfold. I love it. Right. <laughs> it's like such a great feeling. Totally. They, just spin, they spin themselves into an early grave. Like, right. It's they, like frustrating. It, it's so great. I love it. So Larry though was found guilty of both obscenity and organized crime, even though Althea Jimmy Flint and Al were all acquitted. What? So they were acquitted. It doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. But they were like, well, you still conspired with them, and they were charged, so it's organized right. crime. I mean, that seems really fucking yeah, illegal. Yeah, they're not all guilty, then it's not organized. Right. I mean. And that's the organized crime, like I said before, that's a felony. That held a sentence of 7 to 25 years. The obscenity charges was only six months sentencing. Wow. I mean, that seems like a lot even for that. Six right. Six months. Right. So Larry's attorney pleaded with the judge to be lenient with the sentencing. Larry looked the judge square in the eye and said this, you haven't made an intelligent decision during the course of this trial, and I don't expect one now. Well, obviously the judge did not like Larry's <laughs> retort. I mean, and at that point. Larry was like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to go out with some dignity and yeah. tell you how I fucking feel about right. this. Put me in jail. Fine. You fucking weenie. Yeah. So Larry was sentenced seven to 25 years and <gasps> fined $11,000. Damn. Larry said this. I would like to pose this question. Murder is a crime. Writing about crime is not. Sex is not a crime. Writing about it is. Why? Larry was immediately booked into jail, but six days later he got out on bail when his lawyers filed an appeal. While Larry was on bail, he was contacted by Ruth Carter Stapleton, Jimmy Carter's sister. Ooh. Now, Ruth asserted that she had a lot in common with Larry. <laughs> and she, he was like, oh, go on, Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter's sister. She said that she, too, felt sexual repression was bad. Now, this shocked Larry because Ruth was famously an evangelical Christian, but she invited him and Althea for dinner at her home. So the Flints flew on their private... <laughs> I know this is not going where I hope it's going. <laughs> you bring your hot wife. I heard about her pussy um, in the, during I mean, the trial. Um, I'd love to have you over for dinner. I'm making Clams Casino. <laughs> I don't know what they eat in the 70s. I mean, Clams Casino. That That's, sounds good. You know? Yeah. yeah okay. Mm -hmm. So she invited him and Althea over. So Althea and Larry, they took the private jet to North Carolina to dine with Ruth and her husband, Bob. Althea was not into it. She's like, I don't want to go with this uptight yeah. fucking bitch. Right. She's like, there's something fishy about this whole thing. Like, she's not being sincere. Why right. Why does she think she's going to try and convert you? Like, what is this? You know? And Althea was just like, ugh, like, whatever. Ruth and Larry ended up having a very long private conversation that night. This conversation went on so long that Althea and Ruth's husband, Bob, ended up fucking falling asleep. Oh. Like, were... not together. No, I not ended together. Ended up fucking <laughs> falling asleep. No, you think, you think someone is cool as Althea Flint would fuck 
Bob. Who knows what she does when she's bored? You know what? <laughs> Althea only fucked women. She only fucked other oh, women. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. That's right. She preferred women over men. So she only fucked Larry. Larry was the only guy. man she fucked. Got it. So Larry told Ruth his whole life story, and she asked him what he believed in. Larry said he was an anarchist, and Ruth replied, Jesus was an anarchist. <laughs> That's like the classic, I'm a cool Christian yeah. dad. You know who else was an anarchist? Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus has They some... always find a way to like to draw you in. When it's right? like, yes, technically Jesus was probably a radical leftist, like if you want to break it down, but it's never in the way that these people no. are selling it to you. He wasn't selling magazines of someone's pussy. Right. I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, who knows? Who knows? So... According to Larry, Ruth then told him how much she loved Jesus and how sometimes she even fantasized about fucking Jesus. Really? That Did is she a, say fucking? <laughs> I think she, she said, I don't know. She, she's Being said, intimate with him? She, <laughs> making love to Jesus? Fornicating? Look, how can you blame her? Jesus, like from the drawings we see, he looked pretty hot. He has like some serious He's abs. He's got some hot moments. Hot moments. Yeah. Like, so it depends who's drawing him. Whoever's drawing Jesus is very dependent on how hot he is. Right. I've I mean, never seen an ugly Jesus. I'm just talking about, like, how ripped he is. Yes. He's got, like, cheekbones. Right. Usually. And he has good long hair. Yeah. Like... It's not, like, cut your hair long hair. No, it's sort of shiny. Yeah. <laughs> he uses <laughs> Prell. Definitely. Jesus. <laughs> okay. So... Larry felt understood and cared for by Ruth. Like she was Aww. very gentle with him and just well, like Well, she's very... like a Carter Christian, probably. Right, right. Like they're like the good Christians. <laughs> the Carters, right? <laughs> Jimmy Carter, he's like the ideal. Right. Well, she, Larry... he also had lust in his heart. Remember uh, he admitted that. Uh Jimmy Carter did? Yes. They asked him if he ever had like thoughts like outside of his marriage. Did he fuck Ruth at the peanut farm? No, form? he said that he had lust in his heart. But that's very, I think that that's very accurate. Like he admitted to having those feelings. Yeah. And didn't think it interfered with him being a good Christian. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having right. lust in your heart. So he's like, that's what I mean. Like they admit to those things. Like right. So Ruth, I mean Ruth. Uh, uh, you know, I believe that they had a genuine connection with each other and right. Larry saw the good in her and she saw the good in Larry. And so they formed this friendship together. Did she have any kind of power? Um, I mean, as much as the president's sister just, had, so she I didn't guess, have her own thing going on. No, she just, I th I really do think she just genuinely wanted to reach out to Larry because she saw that he was being persecuted by the people, by the powers that be in his hometown. Right. And she felt like she could talk to him and maybe help him on his journey right. or whatever. No, I get it. I mean, yeah, she was definitely preaching to him. And we'll see. We'll, we're going to talk about that now. Larry and Ruth end up traveling together to Los Angeles. They both had their own separate business things going on there. So they took Larry's private jet to get there. And while he was on the jet, Larry was struck by the power of God. Oh. He had a sudden oncoming religious experience, like full-blown, oh, my God, I'm going to hit my knees, and God is fucking entering my body right now. Like, total religious experience. Larry got down on his knees and prayed. He was overcome with emotion. Ruth stayed by his side that night at the Beverly Hills Hotel as... He 
he was having this religious experience. And Larry said in the book, no, they did not fuck. It was purely platonic. It was like a purely religious thing that was happening. That must be very exciting for Ruth. Oh, she was probably (laughs) so excited. I mean, that's like, that's like her version of like making someone come. (laughs) (laughs) Like that must be the height. Like if you finally convince someone to be religious. And it's Larry Flint. Like a sinner, like. It must be epic. Like, oh my God. She yeah. probably felt so powerful yeah. in that moment. So the next morning, Larry called Althea to tell her that he had found God. And she was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. Not Larry- so epic for Althea. Yeah, Althea was like, what? <laughs> I mean, that would be my nightmare, right? Like, look, I have no, I, I am totally, I, I wouldn't even want to say I'm spiritual, but not religious. Cause when, cause now that's like such a cliche for people to say that, but like, I'm totally down with religious people. I'm totally down with people who believe in whatever they want to believe in. As long as you're not hurting anybody. Like I'm definitely like on the spiritual side, I would say, but I have, I do not participate in any organized religion. And also Althea was especially shook because she had a really bad idea of religion because she was abused by nuns when she was a little girl. So she... She really thinks it's bullshit. Yeah, like, to her, or any kind of organized religion, specifically of, like, a Christian denomination, she felt she could not get down with because she had been so viciously abused by religious figures when she was a kid. So I understand that. I understand why she was, like, excuse me? What? So Larry then told her that he'd been doing everything wrong in his life and that he was a shame. And Althea was like, okay, so what? You're going to peddle dildos and crucifixes now? <laughs> Why not together? <laughs> the exorcist had come out. Right. Yeah, it had come out a couple years prior. Why not together? That is, Larry had the light bulb go off uh, yeah. in his head. <laughs> so... Althea wasn't the only person in Larry's life who found this sudden religious, like, come to literal come to Jesus moment weird and alarming. Kind of like, okay, I mean, it's a I guess, but yeah. it's weird. Like, how did this happen all of a sudden? Like, people didn't get it in his inner circle, I guess. But, you know, they supported him on his journey. It, he He swore it was making him happy, and it's not like... He became an asshole all of a sudden. Right. You know, it's like it was just something he was doing. It was his personal thing journey that he was going on. One positive thing that came out of Larry's newfound religion was that he decided he needed to raise the wages of his entire staff. And he raised them considerably, which I found was really cool. Like he specifically focused on making sure like all of the women were getting paid a lot of money who were working under him. He made sure that everyone in his company, including clerks and secretaries, like everyone down to the very bottom, was making at least $15,000 a year. And I looked that up. In today's money, that's over $60,000 a year. So That's good salary. That's a great salary. Especially in Ohio. Yeah, you're working as a secretary or a clerk at the desk, and you're making over 60 grand a year. Like I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, Larry. I like that. He also opened a daycare center so the women he employed could bring their kids to work. Larry was friends with comedian and activist, the late, great Dick Gregory. Oh. I did not know that. And Dick Gregory helped Larry get on a healthy vegetarian diet, which helped Larry lose 25 pounds and, according to Larry, would later help save his life. 
In early 1978, Larry's appeal was still pending, and he was hit with a new obscenity indictment, this time in Georgia. The trial was set for March. A couple weeks before the trial, Larry and Dick flew to the Bahamas for some relaxation. They also flew there for religious fasting and Bible study. So this was like his... Uh, I like that Dick Gregory is his like cool Christian friend. <laughs> yeah. No, they were like cool Christians together. And so like a couple weeks before the trial, they're like, let's go relax, chill out in the Bahamas, like read up on Jesus. Yeah. Pray, okay. like totally cool, right? Play with the pigs. So Larry comes back to the States focused and ready to handle this trial. Accompanying Larry to the trial was Paul Cambria, his attorney's partner, as well as a local attorney named Gene Reeves. On the morning of March 6th, the judge called for a recess at 11 a.m. Larry had some grapefruit juice and some water for lunch. Wow. Well, that's part of his diet. He was like on a fast. He's like on one of the diet, like one of those old school diets. Right, one of our half of grapefruit, some cottage cheese, cottage cheese, and a bowl of sugar-free Jello. He wasn't even having that. He was like juicing. Larry was Damn. OG juicing. So Larry and his lawyers were on the sidewalk, just approaching the courthouse steps, when the first shot rang out. Larry turned to see Gene Reeves, who had just been shot in the arm. <gasps> Suddenly, Larry felt the next bullet enter his abdomen, ripping apart his intestines. A second bullet entered him shortly after, and he collapsed on the ground. The shooter escaped. As Larry was rushed to the hospital, he was in and out of consciousness. The 45 Magnum bullet had severed an artery in his abdomen, and he lost a lot of blood. Larry went into surgery for several, Larry went into surgery for several hours, but he miraculously survived. The fact that he had so little in his stomach at the time of the shooting is what greatly prevented him from developing an immediate infection at this time. Oh, really? So it literally was his diet that saved his life Wow! when the shooting happened. Although maybe if he had a big, fatter stomach, it wouldn't have gone in as far. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> Look, I don't know science. <laughs> Althea immediately flew over to be by her husband's side. Larry still had internal bleeding, so he was transported to a hospital in Atlanta for more surgery. Larry was in critical condition. They were able to identify the source of the bleeding and stop it, but he wasn't out of the woods yet. He then developed an infection after this next surgery, which almost killed him. But he was administered an experimental antibiotic, which saved his life. Why was he developing these infections? Is that just common? I guess. Like, you're just, if you have open wounds, you're just Yeah, I mean, this, like, ripped apart his whole stomach. Right. Like, you should see. It's so creepy. I've seen the pictures of him in the hospital. He has a gigantic scar going down his entire stomach. Right, and that's not from a bullet wound. That's, like, from them having to go in. I guess so, yeah. yeah. So Larry lost function of his legs. The bullet did not hit his spinal cord, but it did hit a bunch of nerves, which rendered him paralyzed from the waist down, but still able to feel the pain in his legs. So it wasn't like he had completely lost the sensation. Right. It was like... He couldn't walk, but he could feel everything. He could feel everything, and it was painful. Larry says that the pain felt like his legs were being submerged in boiling water. Just the worst kind of pain. Right. The doctors didn't have a cure for this pain, but they could treat the symptoms, and that, of course, was going to come with a heavy dose of pain meds. So Mm -hmm. they're like, look, we can administer you pain meds, but we can't. 
fix this problem. Like you're going to be in chronic pain forever. Right. Though Ruth Carter Stapleton visited Larry and prayed with him, his religious beliefs were waning. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a quote from Larry. I wasn't interested in the kind of God that would let people suffer. After six weeks in the hospital, Larry went back to Ohio to a rehabilitation center. But it wasn't long before he was like, you know what? Fuck Ohio. I'm I'm moving to L.A. Seriously, I've been wondering why he's waiting. <laughs> so there's this one of my favorite quotes in the People versus Larry Flint is when it's like literally this scene, like he's in the hospital or he's in the rehabilitation right. center. And he says to Althea, he says, where can we go where they like perverts? And, and then it shows the Hollywood yeah. sign. <laughs> and it's so great. Yeah. So he's like, what am I doing here? Like, my neighbors hate me. Yeah. I, I'm getting, like, all the, I'm having all these legal problems here. Right. People don't like me. I'm, I'm going to go to L.A. where I can be more accepted. Yeah. And they did accept him a lot more in L.A. You know, like, the porn industry, there's a huge porn industry in L.A. And just being wealthy and powerful is enough for people to like you here. <laughs> Right, no matter what I mean, you, you do. Don't, they don't fucking care what you do. Right. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Larry bought a big Mediterranean-style home in Beverly Hills that was first owned by Errol Flynn. Hmm. This home was also once owned by Tony Curtis, by Robert Stack, and later by Sonny and Cher. Wow. So this house has had a lot of famous people. Robert Stack. <laughs> <laughs> Larry and Althea were happy to live in a more liberal part of the country that was less hostile towards people in the porn industry. And then the Hustler offices were moved to L.A. too. Larry's constant pain from his nerve damage led him to become dependent on painkillers. At this point, Larry became holed up in his bedroom of his mansion with a steady stream of heavy painkillers like Dilaudid and morphine. So he was both 
taking them in pill form and injecting them. Right. Like, he had become a full-blown junkie at this point. Right. Because he had to take them for the intense amount of pain he was in. Larry ended up ODing a number of times because he was taking so much. Right. Because it probably at some points didn't help, so he kept taking more. Totally. Yeah. Also, he's, like, self-administering stuff. Right. He was self-administering. Have you ever been on a morphine drip? No. Oh, I was. Was it great? Um, it was great, and it is definitely something because I was on a clicker. But right. you should just keep clicking it. Right. Obviously, it stops. You can only click it so many times. Like right. you can keep clicking it, but it's not gonna. It's like it's like trying to buzz in on Jeopardy. Right. You <laughs> when you can keep clicking it, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but I did get very sick when I was taken off the drip. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. You got dope I was, sick. I actually had friends visiting me because I was in the hospital, obviously, and they came right as I took off the morphine and I just immediately started vomiting and I was like sorry (laughs) I'm withdrawing (laughs) so at this time Althea was running Hustler magazine because Larry was so fucked up so she's running it but it was a lot of stress on her yeah she was also struggling with her own drug addiction and while Larry had become dependent on drugs he was taking high volumes for the pain. Althea was actually a drug addict. Was she always taking drugs or she just started when he was on? No, she was always a party girl. Right. But she, but she now she has access because he has all of these painkillers. Yeah. And like she just had such easy access. So it was more like her drug addiction sped up. And, she and she's had, also under stress. Totally. So it was a combination. I mean, yeah. And I think that Althea would have ended up being a drug addict no matter what her situation right. was. This was just the circumstance it she sped was it in. Up. Yeah, because she had such access. So Larry attempted to cut her off from his personal supply of prescription drugs because he was worried about her. But like a good addict, she found plenty of other ways to get high. And this time she decided, oh, I'm just going to use street drugs. So another benefit to being in L.A. <laughs> right? No, that literally the book talked about that. Right. Because Larry- it's like in Ohio, that probably wasn't as possible. No, she was like hanging out at the whiskey and the yeah. Roxy and she was like doing heroin and cocaine all the time. She had plenty of opportunities yeah. to get high in yeah. Los Angeles. Larry's conviction for the obscenity and organized crime would eventually be overturned. But his legal battles were far from over. Kathy Keaton, the wife of penthouse publisher Bob Guccione, sued Larry for defamation. (laughs) Do you know about Kathy Keaton? No. So she sued Larry uh, for defamation because in a 1976 issue of Hustler, there was a cartoon of Kathy insinuating that Bob gave her VD. (laughs) (laughs) The case was thrown out when we found out that Bob did give her VD. It wasn't defamation. It was fact. Her first suit was thrown out because of the statute of limitations. There's something so crazy to me, and this something like this just happened today where, with Devin Nunes uh, suing Twitter <laughs> for people dunking on him. Right. Like, like, at a certain point, don't you just say, you know what, I'm going to let this lie. Because <laughs> right. suing for something like that is just making everyone all of a sudden aware of totally. what, I mean, it's just like, just like take the L. Right. Don't sue someone for owning you. I wouldn't have remembered <laughs> that Devin Nunez cartoon if it wasn't for seeing it today. Right. I mean, it's just like an insane thing to sue someone for. Because then you also look like you have VD. Because why would you be so mad? <laughs> well, you also just look like you you can't take a joke and that it's like, 
it's insane thing to sue. Like I could never, I could never sue someone for something like that unless it literally ruined my career or something like right. where you're actually lost money. Like, but not just because you felt stupid. It's like, also like such a like dumb thing. Like, Oh, Oh wow. You really got me. I, I gave someone an STD. Oh, okay. Right. It's especially a stupid own. A like, lot of people yeah. have STDs or right. have gotten STDs before. Anyway, it's just, it's dumb. hilarious. It's yeah. So, the statute of limitations had run out because this was a 1976 issue. This is the early okay. 80s now. So also the fact that she decided, she's like, wait <laughs> a minute. Said, like, Google something like that before you make a big fuss to see if you even can. But you couldn't Google it. I know. She, she, I almost said that. I was like, no, she probably saw it in someone's bathroom. Right. She's like <laughs> taking a shit. She's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Gets on the. I don't have crabs. <laughs> Imagine the lawyer getting that phone call. Larry Flint said I have gonorrhea <laughs> and that I gave it to Bob. I have zero discharge in my underwear. <laughs> I'll have you know. <laughs> so she then filed a new suit in New Hampshire. She did not live in New Hampshire, nor were there any Hustler production offices in New Hampshire. But since they sold Hustler in the state of New Hampshire, she was under legal jurisdiction to file a suit there. Did they have a longer statute or yes, something? Yes, they okay. had a six-year statute. So she found she's the, so not owned. She found the state with the longest statute of limitations, and but they are right. abusing the system, quite frankly. Right. So New Hampshire threw the case out. Good. So then she took it to federal court and then to the Supreme Court. What? And I'm honestly shocked that the Supreme Court... How bored were they that year right, that they the... took that? Right. I swear there was other shit going on then. And there had to have been. Right. So Larry wanted to represent himself in oh, the trial. Boy. But when he showed up to D.C. for the trial, they had appointed him a lawyer, which angered him because he was like, no, I, I told the clerk I'm representing myself. I don't want your fucking dumb lawyer. Right. I'm rep- I'm I'm dealing I'm with the this. dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> so he was pissed. <clears throat> so Larry shouted to the nine justices from the audience. <laughs> You're nothing but eight assholes and a token cunt. Oh, so Sandra Day O'Connor was <laughs> I had to look up. I was like, did he call Ruth Bader Ginsburg? (laughs) But she was not appointed until the early 90s. No, it was good old Sandra Day. She was the first woman and the first cunt. (laughs) The Supreme Court. The token cunt. My God. So Larry, of course, was arrested for contempt of court. Contempt. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they didn't have a holding cell to place him in. So he was just taken to a back room until they could figure <laughs> because out Because he had a wheelchair? Because of the wheelchair? Yes. Or, uh-huh. Well, this... Okay. So Larry was like, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, boy. And they didn't have a handicapped accessible stall. So did he do something? <laughs> well, <laughs> Larry said, I have to go to the bathroom. There were no handicapped bathrooms. So they would have to transport him to a local hospital to use the bathroom. But they also didn't have a vehicle that was able to transport Larry in his wheelchair. Mm. So he was like... (laughs) He's like, and I had Mexican food last night. (laughs) (laughs) And it was... (laughs) So 
he was like, well, why don't we just take my limo to the hospital? Okay. Uh, that's the only way. Otherwise, what, what are you going to do? I'm going to shit my pants right now. Yeah. And you don't want that. So they were like, okay, fine. You can take your limo. We'll have someone go there with you. You know, like a cop or whoever go with you and take your limo to the hospital. He gets to the hospital and the person at the front desk is like, uh, okay. First, yeah. like a limo yeah, pulls, pulls up, up at the hospital. <laughs> so... Uh, he uses the bathroom at the hospital while he's in the limo on the way back to the courthouse. He changed out of his dress shirt and into a shirt that said, fuck this court (laughs) in huge block letters. Where did he get that? He probably had it made. So he just had it in his limo or did he have it made while he was in the bathroom? (laughs) He had it in his limo and he's like, I'm going to put this shirt on before I go back into the courtroom. The marshals in the holding area of, of the courthouse, they were like, yeah, you can't wear that. I mean, he's stupid. He should have put his jacket on over and then well, be like, da, uh, da, da. <laughs> No, Larry said, fuck yeah, I can. And they said no. And he's like, well, I don't have another shirt. And they were like, fine, you can wear a jacket over it. Okay. So as soon as Larry got back into the courtroom, he took the jacket okay, off. Good. So he's facing the justices with this fuck this court yeah. shirt on, which is pretty incredible. That's almost what was uh, Anna Nicole's shirt? Spoil- oh, spoiled. spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need both of these shirts, mm-hmm. Rachel. <laughs> and the fuck this court shirt. I don't know why he didn't mention this in the book, but I've seen the picture of it. It says fuck this court, and at the top of it, there's a penis dribbling jizz onto the fuck this court. Onto the gavel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keaton ended up winning the suit and was awarded $2 million. In 1982, John DeLorean had been charged with selling... Uh, <laughs> that's, I didn't expect this guy coming in. Like, this is about to get really 80s. <laughs> Do you want to explain who John DeLorean is, Desi? I don't know a ton about him, but he was like a car designer. He made the he DeLorean. He made the DeLorean from Back to the Future, and he was also like a massive cokehead. Right. Uh, that's all I know about him, basically. So in 1982, John DeLorean was charged with selling a large amount of cocaine with intent to sell, presumably to get money to save his failing business. Like okay. he was in some serious debts. Larry Flint received a tape from an anonymous source that showed that the sting operation with the FBI was actually entrapment. So this tape implicated the FBI in being shady as fuck. An FBI agent was not only responsible for providing the cocaine to DeLorean, they were also the one who suggested he sell the cocaine in the first place. So they just wanted to fucking take this guy down. Like they had some kind of suspicion that he was selling cocaine, but they didn't have proof. So they kind of set it up. They literally set it up for him. They entrapped him. So Larry was absolutely not going to let the FBI get away with this, even though he has nothing to do with John DeLorean. (laughs) And someone just gave him this tape? Yes. Okay. So the tape ended up getting aired on 60 Minutes, and it caused a media sensation. Right. Larry then came into possession of another tape implicating the FBI. Now, this tape was just an audio tape, and it was pretty scratchy. It wasn't that audible. The tape ended up going missing. The judge presiding over the case ordered Larry to produce the tape and to make an appearance in court. Larry said, no, no, I'm not giving you this tape. And he was arrested. Like, they're like, you will give us this fucking tape. 
Larry refused to give up his source for the tape. And when Larry refused to give up his source, the judge ordered Larry to pay $10,000 a day for every day that he did not produce the tape. Larry ended up paying this fine in $1 bills. Ah, so call back to his penny days. And call back to his penny. <laughs> so he dumped $10,001 bills, like, yeah. in the courtroom. Here you go. Bringing in sacks, like yeah. Miracle on 34th Street and dumping them. <laughs> yeah, here's your fucking fee. So the next day, Larry was doing a photo shoot with Annie Leibovitz in which he was naked with an American flag draped over him. Larry had to be in court the next day, that same day. So he left the shoot and took the flag with him. He rolled into court wearing the flag as a diaper. <laughs> He also wore like an army helmet. Wait, I feel like I've seen this before. Yes. Yeah. Well, they showed it in and the movie. It's in the movie too. It's yeah, in yeah, the yeah. movie. And this really happened. Like he really rolled. He was like, I'm going to wear the American flag as a diaper. And it's hilarious. It's like you see his pasty white legs. I just love how outraged people would be by this today. Even like oh, today they would, would be, be outraged. Like, Whoa. People were not happy with him. <laughs> Larry ended up speaking to the judge without incident, but as soon as he left the courthouse, he was arrested for desecrating the flag. Is that really a crime? Like, yes. that shocks me that that's actually a crime. I mean, look, they want to arrest Larry no matter what's going yeah. on. During his arraignment for the flag desecration charge, Larry had an outburst in court, which wound up getting him sentenced to a psychiatric facility for 15 months. In 1983, Larry had an operation that would end up greatly reducing the chronic pain he had been in since the shooting. This same year, Larry decided to run for president as a stunt to promote his news magazine, The Rebel. And in the December 31st, 1983 issue was a picture of Larry in a Larry Flint for President t-shirt, and underneath it said, who will be our next president? It is now, this is a quote from his like presidential statement, whatever. Mm -hmm. It is now obvious to the world that the nuclear mad cowboy Ronnie Reagan is, and his entire cabinet must resign in disgrace. Reagan-gate, as I have penned it, is a scandal that could never have happened before in the history of the world because never has this planet ever had such a dumb, fascist, bigoted <laughs> motherfucker as a world leader. <laughs> oh, I have some news for you, Larry Flint. <laughs> that's coming don't okay. worry that's coming okay later. okay <laughs> larry larry is still incarcerated by the way while he was doing this he's Great. still in the psychiatric facility i love that he's running for president from the psychiatric facility oh, totally i mean they might as well all do that <laughs> <laughs> but larry was released you know much earlier than 15 months that he was sentenced to Larry then decided that he was going to order a subscription of Hustler magazine to every member of Congress and every senator, as well as all the Supreme Court justices. He wanted them to stay up to date with the news as well as get boners. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is good for them. They can be up to date with, you know, what's happening in the world and, and they get a hard on. And Sandra Day gets wet. Let's be fair. <laughs> Let's be fair here. <laughs> By the fall of 1983, Althea's health was rapidly declining. She was addicted to drugs, but something else was definitely going on with her. Larry urged her to see a doctor. Tests were run, and the results were grim. Althea had AIDS. At this time, contracting AIDS 
was definitely a death sentence. And as we know from history, people in power were not doing much about it. They right. weren't even talking about it at this time. So when she found out that she had contracted the AIDS virus, she was like, oh, my life is over. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's it. Yeah. Why even bother doing anything anymore? So she was had this utterly hopeless feeling and that she descended even further into her drug addiction because of that. In November of 1983, Hustler magazine ran a parody ad lampooning famed Christian televangelist and conservative activist Jerry Falwell. (laughs) The ad was a parody of a real Campari campaign in which celebrities were interviewed about their first time (laughs) drinking Campari. Desi and I are going to do a reenactment of the ad, this Campari ad from 1983. Do you want to describe what the ad looks like? Well, it's just black and white text, and then there's a picture of Jerry Falwell, young Jerry Falwell, and he has this little uh, finger on his chin, like that pose where you're like, hmm, like a writer, like an author's pose, right? right? But it's just black and white interview, like, you know. And it's interviewing uh, Jerry Falwell about his first time. As if it's a Campari ad. Okay, Desi, you're going to play Jerry Falwell. Oh, good. My first time was in an outhouse outside Lynchburg, Virginia. Wasn't it a little cramped? Not after I kicked the goat out. (laughs) I see. You must tell me all about it. I never really expected to make it with Mom, but then after she showed all the other guys in town such a good time, I figured, what the hell? But your mom? Isn't that a bit odd? I don't think so. Looks don't mean that much to me and a woman. (laughs) Sorry. Go on. Well, we were drunk off our God-fearing asses on Campari, ginger ale, and soda. That's called a fire and brimstone at the time. <laughs> Sorry. And mom looked better than a Baptist whore with a $100 donation. Campari in the crapper with mom. How interesting. Well, how was it? The Campari was great, but mom passed out before I could come. <laughs> Did you ever try it again? Sure, lots of times, but not in the outhouse. Between mom and the shit, the flies were too much to bear. (laughs) We meant the Campari. Oh, yeah. I always get sloshed before I go out to the pulpit. You don't think I could lay down all that bullshit sober, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's pretty funny. Jerry Falwell was not happy about that. No. He was not happy about there being... Uh, oh, and by the way, just just so uh, we all know, it says at the bottom of the ad, it says, Campari, you'll never forget your first time. And then it also says, ad parody, not meant to be taken seriously. Right. Now that will be important. Yeah. Jerry Falwell was not happy about the parody ad, obviously. <laughs> not only was he not happy that... This ad parody had depicted him fucking his mom in an outhouse. He was also like, and I don't drink alcohol. Why would they put my, my <laughs> face? That was the more disturbing part. He honestly, from the articles I read from this time, he seemed just as equally outraged that they insinuated that he drank alcohol as, right. as he was that he fucked his mom in an outhouse. So he filed a $45 million lawsuit against Larry and Hustler magazine. Falwell was suing Larry for libel, for using his likeness in an advertisement without his consent, and for emotional distress. 
Falwell then sent photocopies of the Hustler ad parody to one million of his prayer partners. <laughs> I don't know what a prayer partner is. I assume that's like his congregation. Why would you send that to them? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you look at this thing about me fucking my mother. <laughs> Please pray. <laughs> Basically, he was like, I am outraged. What, what, can you imagine sending that to so many people? Like, I'm so humiliated by this. Here you go. <laughs> they wouldn't have read that. No. They no one would have ever seen, seen it. it. That's what's so amazing to me. It's like, sure, everyone who already hates you is laughing their ass off. Right. But, like, no one you actually know would have cared or known about right? it. It's not like it could have gone viral on the internet. Right. It's, like, so... Outrageous. I would have never heard about this. Right. So then Falwell decided to hold a fundraiser for his legal fees, even though this guy is rich as fuck. He's a televangelist. Yeah. But he's like, I, I don't want to pay for it. Right. <laughs> he needs his entire like congregation to get involved and to be just as outraged. So he raised $700,000 from these people who probably didn't have a lot of money. It's gross. It's disgusting. The irony was not lost on Larry that Jerry Falwell hired Bob Guccione's own lawyer to represent him. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, so this, you know, guy who defends a fellow pornographer is now going to defend Jerry Falwell? Okay. Yeah. You know, and because the lawyer also had a reputation, too, for being really unethical in his practices. So Larry was not excited. Yeah. To face this guy. Larry's attorney at the time was L.A.-based lawyer Alan Isaacman. Jerry Falwell and his lawyer, Roy Gutman, were both featured as asshole of the month in Hustler, <laughs> which was a regular feature <laughs> of various people. I love it. I love it. I like that there's no, like, clever title. No. <laughs> it's asshole of the month. <laughs> it's so good. Larry also ran a cartoon depicting a poor woman living in squalor writing Falwell a letter that read this. Dear Jerry Falwell, I want to thank you for the inspiration and comfort your television broadcasts give me. I am enclosing the remainder of my social security money to help you keep with your fine work, as I know you'll need it. Ooh. And they did, Larry did not like that either. How dare you suggest I'm... Oh, Jerry? Yeah, Jerry did yeah. not like that either. He was like... I mean, that's the more that's the more real thing. Right. I, I mean, mean, that yeah. is like some real criticism of him. Larry also filed a countersuit for copyright infringement because Jerry Falwell had used Hustler's ad parody to raise money when he sent out all those oh. flyers. I mean, that's clever. Yeah. The trial began in December of 1984. During the trial, the prosecutor asked Falwell on the stand... Mr. Falwell, specifically, did you or your mother ever commit incense? I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say that? Did I write that? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, Mr. Falwell, specifically, did you or your mother ever commit incest? Absolutely not, shouted Falwell. Senator Jesse Helms testified on Jerry Falwell's behalf. That wow, it's a real shit parade. <laughs> <laughs> and he vouched for his character. Oh, oh boy. And Jesse Helms was not a good person. Yeah. At all. He's so also it's like, horrible. oh, you get this is the guy you get to vouch That's your for your character. character. <laughs> your character witness, right. sir. Good My character witness is Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> 
Larry testified in his own defense. He explained that the ad was clearly parody, as it had stated at the bottom of the ad, and that Hustler had run several different parody ads in the past, including one with the Marlboro man laying down in the hay and smoking a cigarette with his horse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, further driving home the point that, like, you can't take a joke. Right. Like, we do this to everybody. All of these people are so owned. So owned. Larry went on to explain why the joke was funny to the courtroom. I mean, that is, like... So irritating, so frustrating. Having to explain he your had joke. to explain. He's like, "This is why it's funny." Obviously, this guy, this like prim proper, you know, snooty asshole, isn't fucking his mom in an outhouse. That's why it's right. funny. Yeah. Do you get it? Do you get that it's a joke? The defense argued that the ad parody was too ridiculous to be taken seriously and was clearly a joke. The jury found Larry Flint and Hustler Magazine not guilty of libel. However, he was found guilty of emotional distress and ordered to pay Jerry Falwell $200,000. Well, this was obviously mostly a win for Larry. Like, he didn't have to pay the $45 million. Larry was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. So he appealed to the Fourth Circuit to contest the emotional distress ruling just for the principle of it. Yeah. Like, you don't get to... Get emo like everyone could say that something hurt their feelings, right? And so you're a public figure, right? Right. This is it's clearly says at the bottom of it that it's an ad parody. Also, prove that you really were stressed, right? If you were so stressed, why did you send it to a million people? <laughs> right. So that appeal was denied. So Larry took it to the Supreme Court again. Yeah. In the summer of 1987, Althea and Larry were in bed together watching TV. Althea got up to take a bath. Larry couldn't tell if it had been five minutes or 15 minutes, but suddenly he realized that the water was still running. Their nurse came into the bedroom, and Larry said, please go check on Althea. When the nurse opened the door to the bathroom, she saw Althea submerged in the water. When she pulled her out, she wasn't breathing, and her heart had stopped. Paramedics were called, but they couldn't revive her. Althea had overdosed on heroin and passed out and drowned in the bathtub. Althea was buried in the Flint family plot in Lakeville, Ohio. And this is a quote from Larry from his book. How could I go on? What was there to live for? I owned one of the most lucrative publishing empires in America. I was wealthy. The U.S. Supreme Court would soon hear my appeal, one of the most important First Amendment cases in the country's history. I had come farther from Kentucky hillside than I could have ever imagined in my wildest boyhood dreams. Yet without Althea, my life as I knew it seemed over. So obviously this Larry was crushed. And I mean, he'd lost his wife, his best friend, his business partner. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was like, he was feeling numb at this point to everything. So the case for oral arguments for the Supreme Court was set for December 1987. And Larry's attorney, Alan Isaacman, gave his opening statement. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, the First Amendment protects all speech except for certain narrowly drawn categories. For example, the First Amendment does not protect false statements of fact made with requisite fault. The First Amendment doesn't protect obscene speech or fighting words made with in the presence of the person to whom the words are addressed and likely to incite violence. 
This case raises as a general question whether the court should expand the areas left unprotected by the First Amendment and create another exception to protected speech. And in this situation, the new area that is sought to be protected is satiric or critical commentary of a public figure which does not contain any assertions of fact. There is a public interest in having Hustler express its views that what Jerry Falwell says is BS. And Hustler has every right to say that somebody who's out there campaigning against it, saying we're poisoning on, we're poison on the minds of America, is full of BS. And that is what this ad parody says. The ad parody puts him in a ridiculous setting. Instead of Jerry Falwell speaking from the television with a beatific look on his face and a Bible in his hand, Hustler is saying, let's deflate this stuffed shirt. Let's bring him down to our level. And, and in, oh, sorry. And in summing up, what I would like to do is say that this is not just a dispute between Hustler and Jerry Falwell. It is, it is a dispute that affects everything that goes on in our national life. We have a long tradition of satiric commentary, and you can't pick up a newspaper without seeing cartoons or editorials that have critical comments about people. And if Jerry Falwell can sue because he suffered emotional distress, anybody else who is in the public would be able to sue because they suffered, suffered emotional distress. In 1988, a decision was reached. Larry won the case by a unanimous decision. So, Yay. huge win. Okay, let's talk about some more recent stuff. Uh, I think I couldn't find the exact date of when this confession happened. I thought it was in the 90s, but it might have actually been in the 80s. But Convicted white supremacist serial killer Joseph Paul Franklin confessed to shooting Larry Flint. Oh. Between 1977 and 1980, Franklin murdered 22 people. His targets were black and Jewish people as well as interracial couples. His motivation for shooting Larry Flint was due to a photo spread in a 1975 issue of Hustler magazine that featured a black man with a white woman. Oh. Franklin was never charged with the shooting because his story changed several times. He was executed by lethal injection in 2013. In 2003, Larry ran for governor of California oh, after right. <laughs> during the recall of Gray Davis. That was Davis. when like 50 people ran, right? This was an insane election. I remember this election because it was like every... D-list celebrity. It was like Gary Coleman, Mary Carey. <laughs> like all these. It was the year Arnold Schwarzenegger literally won and was our governor. Right. Like. That's, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. So like everyone ran. He ran with the slogan, vote for a smut peddler who cares. You know what? I actually think I voted for him. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, because I didn't really care. There was no one good. Yeah. Right? I don't. Did they. I don't he on remember. the ballot? I guess that would have been my first. I don't know if I voted that in was that 2003. Election. I guess you're right, because I thought it was 2004. I can't remember. I was in, yeah, I was in L.A. already. So anyway, he vote for a smut peddler who cares. And you know what, does he? I like to think that we're smut peddlers who care. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't you, wouldn't you agree? I care a little bit. I care, Sometimes. I care a lot. I have a big bleeding heart. But we are smut peddlers at the We're end of the day. Peddlers. I do care, but I don't. I do hate a lot of people also. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> There's a lot of irritating people. Yeah. 
So Schwarzenegger ended up winning. In 2012, Larry offered a $1 million reward for Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney's unreleased tax returns. I forgot about that. Right. And in 2017, Larry offered a $10 million reward for information leading to the impeachment of Donald Trump. And more recently, this is a headline from page six. Larry Flint trolls Trump Jr. with birthday bash starring Aubrey O'Day. <laughs> so Larry Flint threw this huge, like advertised this huge birthday party that he was throwing. This was like in this was like recently. Yeah, this because was that's just a right few before he got divorced. That uh, that affair came out. Yes. The news about the affair. So Larry Flint literally made up like flyers and advertised this party, and the party happened. And right. the party was going to be uh, hosted by Larry Flynn and Aubrey O'Day. And Aubrey O'Day, it, for those of you not in the know, she was cheating. <laughs> she was cheating with John, Donald Trump Jr. Right. But well, they were like in love. I right. Mean. They were like having a full blown affair. And so she was going to be the host of this party. What is her deal? Aubrey she was O'Day? in some stupid Danity band. Kane. Okay, but that's not a real... Was that like a band yeah. that was created from a show? It was a band that was created by Diddy, and look, <laughs> there was... He'll always be Puff Daddy to me, let's be real. So anyway, so this party... Donald Trump Jr. obviously did not attend the party, <laughs> but it still went on, and it still was Larry Flint trolling the Trump family. Yeah. That's like... That's who he's trolling these days, basically. So Larry Flint, today, he is happily married to his wife, Elizabeth Berrios. They've been married since 1988, and they live in the Hollywood Hills. And the Flint offices is a 10-story tower in Beverly Hills on Wilshire. Right. You can go drive by it. and Or you can go to the Hustler store on Sunset. Oh, right. Yeah. I've never the been The Hustler in there. store is good. It's think. like a sex store, yeah. like a sex toy store, and they have porn there. I just never go to that area. We should go. It's open late. Okay. It's fun. I like it. Okay. I like the Hustler store. Maybe we'll post some pics. Okay. All right. And that's Larry Flint's life. Awesome. And I urge you to read the book, An Unseemly Man, because there is so (laughs) much I didn't have time to write down. I mean, there was a lot of really great stories in there and a lot of really interesting stuff um, if you're into, like, details about uh, court stuff or things like that, of right. that nature. So, cool. uh, yeah. All right. That's it. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.